Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So, Melissa Barkley, you know what my, my big event of the, the weekend was? This shows how calm the weekend was. Uh, well, if it's calm, I would normally say golfing. No, no. But that's too, not happening. Weather it's too did chilly. Not cooperate. How about a movie at home? Got my flu shot. That's your got, got eventful, my, that, that, that was, eventful that, weekend. That, that was the highlight. About uh, 10 o'clock Sunday morning, my wife says, Let's go get our flu shots. And there's a there's a, a Walgreens drugstore mm-hmm. pretty much right across the street from us. Showed up at ten o'clock, and they have a little clinic in there that they run in conjunction with Aurora. And you kind of go in the back and you fill out the forms. You wait for about two or three minutes, and they even let it was it was a communal experience. We didn't even have to go in since we were both getting them at the same time. The 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 nice nurse said, "Oh, you guys can both come back in." And so we it was like date night. It was it was sort of like date night, but we we got. We got the flu shot, absolutely. Good. So that was. So now I am. I am all set. Now I'm waiting for the COVID nineteen vaccine, and everything will be good. So that's it. So I, have you gotten yours yet? I have not. not all yet. right. Okay. Gru, have you gotten yours yet? Uh, next week, Thursday. Next week, Thursday. So you're planning ahead. You're ten days out, and you know when you're going to. Yeah, get I, it. I had to actually make an appointment for it. Ah, okay. Well, like I said, it couldn't could not have been easier. So take it from me. I, I, uh, and again, I, I know that there's people who don't believe in the flu shot. I, I happen to be somebody who I always get the flu shot. Not to say that you don't get the flu. I did. I got the flu shot last year, and I got the flu in February. But I am a firm believer that it would have been a lot worse. I had. I was sick for like a day. And I think it would have been a lot worse had I not gotten it. So, all right, just a word to the wise. If I can do it, anybody can. It's actually, it's a little bit sore, though. Little, little, a tad sore, but, you know, we, we can play hurt. Hey, if you follow me on Twitter, um, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Um, couple, couple postings over the weekend. One we're going to talk about a little bit later on. The, the numbers are in and, TV advertising isn't the be-all, end-all when it comes to electoral success, but the fact that President Trump is getting crushed when it comes to TV spending by the either Democrats or the Biden campaign, it is not a good sign. I'm not sure if Trump has any radio advertising in Wisconsin at all. And, of course, if you listen to our station and others, you, you hear ads for Joe Biden. We're going to talk about that. In addition, a sort of a breaking story. The, it, it comes as no secret to anybody, or should come as no secret to anybody, that uh, Tom Barrett's Milwaukee Police Department is a sinking ship. I, I mean, it's it's taking on water. It's going down really fast. And, and of course, the losers are the rank-and-file officers of the Milwaukee Police Department. And in a bigger picture, the, the losers are the citizens of the city of Milwaukee who are, are left with a, a rudderless rudderless ship when it comes to confronting crime. This all started, of course, with the untimely, unfair dismissal of former Milwaukee Police Chief Alfonso Morales, who, in my opinion, is one of the best chiefs the city of Milwaukee had in 30 years. But um, he, he's on his way out. He was he was forced out. There's litigation. He, he's going to he's going to cash a huge check from the taxpayers of the city of Milwaukee. The Fire and Police Commission then 
decided that they were going to do this search. It was held with kind of a degree of secrecy. They came up with six names. Interestingly, five of the names are outsiders. And one of the things I think that we have learned in Milwaukee is that going outside isn't necessarily the, the best option of this. Part of the thing, though, is that the acting police chief, the one who took over after Morales was forced out, Michael Brunson, I I think he's smart enough to realize that you don't want any part of the mess that is the Fire and Police Commission. He didn't even apply for the job full time. What happened is a couple of the other um, assistant chiefs, including a guy named Terrence Gordon, who was at six months ago, it was thought that Gordon was the leading candidate to replace Alfonso Morales. Um, Gordon, again, 19, he was a veteran of the police department starting in 1995, worked its way through its its ranks, um, knows the community, knows the area, knows the department, is well-respected. Um, I don't know if he didn't apply to be the police chief um, and didn't make the list, or whether, like a number of candidates, just decided, look, th- this is so screwed up, we don't want any part of it. In any event, get this, um, Terrence Gordon, who, again, was was thought of as perhaps a leading candidate, he's leaving the department. He, he's taking a job. He's going to be the new police chief in Thornton, Thornton, Colorado, which is a suburb of about 140,000 residents um, outside of Denver. So it's in the Denver metropolitan area. I mean, think like like Waukesha, something like that. Um, but rather than stay in the department that he grew up in, rather than stay in the department, the department he's been part of for 25 years, he just decided, look, I'm, I'm moving on. I, I am moving on, and I've got a link to the story. Like I say, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 But bottom line is, and the big takeaway is, another qualified, experienced local police official bails from the sinking ship that is Tom Barrett's Milwaukee Police Department. And, of course, like I say, the losers are the men and women of the Milwaukee Police Department and and big picture, the losers are the taxpayers and residents of the city of Milwaukee that are faced with a situation where nobody wants to, at least nobody nobody who knows how to, who understands the city, or or nobody who's been a part of the police department for a long time, with one exception, uh, nobody wants any part of trying to run the Milwaukee Police Department. And that tells you a lot about the mayor's leadership or lack thereof. It also tells you a lot about the Fire and Police Commission. And again, other people are the losers. All right, when we come back, President Trump has adopted in the waning days of the campaign, two weeks and one day until Election Day, um, early absentee voting in person starts tomorrow in Wisconsin. President Trump has adopted an interesting strategy. Will it work? We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This week's sponsor for the Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by our friends at Great Midwest Bank, is All-American Window and Door. They are the experts in making your dreams a reality. Find them at allamericanwindow.com. All right. Now, I understand some people do not want to hear this, but it is my sense, and this is not a unique position, it is my sense that if the election were held today, President Trump would lose. 
And, and oh, don't don't even talk like that. I, that's just my sense. I, this isn't a final election prediction, but I, I think if you if you look at everything, and I know people choose not to believe polls, but by every indicator that you have, whether it's money that is being spent, whether it is polling, whether it is candidates who are deciding to bail on the president and try to by create distance from him all those different indicators plus countless more the sense you get is the the president is losing in addition if you look at schedules where where are you going what you find is that the biden campaign is 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 expanding the map they are campaigning in states that previously were thought to be solid Republican or solid Trump states. They're, they're going after, they believe that certain states that six months ago were considered to be just locks for the president's reelection campaign, they believe these states are in play. And you're starting to see money put into them. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to pull all those states, but it says that, all right, we, we're comfortable, we're doing well in certain states that we thought were like toss-up states, so now we can start to expand. On the other hand, you see the president who's starting to put money and go into states where six months ago, again, you would have figured that this state was not going to be in play. Now, all those are indicators, and I understand that there's some people who just decide, no, 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 I this, this is, you, you don't look at all these indicators, there's this greater truth that's out there, and you might ultimately be right, but I'm telling you as somebody who's been a student of, you know, politics and elections and campaigns for a long time, you know, there are certain indicators that you can see of how the candidates perceive they're, they're doing. And one of those is, are you going after an expanded map? Are you now trying to compete in states that you previously thought you had no chance in? Or are you playing defense? And I, I think if you just look at the, the Trump schedule, they're clearly playing defense. All right, President Trump, and I have said this before, this election would have been completely different were it not for the pandemic. And, and I, I just, if if things had considered, continued going like they were, this would have been a completely and totally different dynamic. And I candidly believe that President Trump would have been reelected and reelected handedly if it weren't for the, the pandemic. Well, okay, um, we, we have the pandemic. That has completely changed the dynamic. And fair or unfair, it is the reality. The economy is cratered. It hasn't come back. So people who might otherwise be willing to, I don't know, look past some of some of the, the rhetoric and some of the off-putting personal characteristics and some of the chaos theory that the, the president sows, now it, it, they would be willing to overlook that if the economy was going great guns. Well, now the economy's not going great guns, so these other things matter more. In any event, the, the president, in an effort to try to, in my opinion, change the narrative, looking for some sort of game-changer, He's decided to sort of revert back to the strategy that they used in in going after Hillary Clinton in 2016. In some respects, it's, it's back to the future. Remember the big campaign rallies that you had? And you had President Trump and everybody was cheering, lock her up, lock her up, crooked Hillary, all that sort of stuff. Well, th- that that strategy is is now back. You saw some of that in the president's rally in Janesville over the weekend. You saw it more in a rally yesterday in Nevada. Um, president Trump describing 
Joe Biden's family as a criminal enterprise. Uh, did you see what's happening with Biden? He's a corrupt politician. That came out of the rally that was held in Nevada yesterday when one supporter yelled, um, lock her up in an apparent reference to Hillary Clinton. Uh, Trump stopped and corrected. No, lock him up. Joe Biden is, this is, I'm quoting the president, Joe Biden is and always has been a corrupt politician. He always has been. And as far as I'm concerned, the Biden family is a criminal enterprise. It really is. All right. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. I understand that this, this strategy, he's a criminal, lock him up. The whole family's a bunch of crooks, et cetera, et cetera. I understand that that is perhaps red meat to, you know, the people who are in attendance at, at a Trump rally in Nevada or in Janesville. The problem, though, is that those people aren't enough to win Nevada or Wisconsin or Pennsylvania or Michigan or Ohio or Florida or other places that the president absolutely needs to win. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That strategy, that lock em up approach, um, it, it, it worked, I guess, to an extent when you were running against Hillary Clinton. Is that the right strategy to adopt in 2020 when you're not running against Hillary Clinton, you're running against Joe Biden. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm sorry. I just think as a campaign strategy, doubling down on that, Biden's a crook, lock him up. I don't think that that's going to be the way that you win 270 electoral votes. What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think in 2020, the American public is looking for something different than that. What do you think? We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. No, no, look, we need to separate a couple things. I, I think... Put, putting aside a criminal element, do I think Hunter Biden traded on his family's name to to earn money that he otherwise would not have been entitled to? Of course. I, of course he did. But these allegations have been around for five years. My point is, two weeks before the election, if we accept the premise that President Trump is behind, I, I don't think this lock him up, they're a criminal enterprise, I don't think that that's going to move the needle any way, shape, or form. Um, okay, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I'm sorry you are going Democrat, uh, but do not take it out on your conservative listeners. Your listeners are Trump supporters. In other words, um, well, and then an obscene reference. Look, here, here's the bottom line. You, you call them like you see them. All right, if you want President Trump to win, is this a winning strategy? Okay, you know, you, you say lock him up and you get a bunch of people that, that cheer at an airplane rally in Nevada. Okay, big deal. That's not going to win an election. That's not going to bring you back if you're 10 points behind in the polls or five points behind in the polls. That's my only point. Is there a winning strategy? And I'm just saying, I don't think that that's what most voters are are not. I don't think most voters are going to respond to this. Jeff, doesn't this talk remind most middle voters about the criminal near misses of President Trump and his family, Russian investments, emoluments, all that? 
Um, Jeff, you know what they say about President Trump. Everything out of his mouth is either projection or confession. I don't know. Um, Jeff, I think Trump is sabotaging himself. Who really would want to endure another four years of what this has become subject to? Um, I guess, see, that's the point. Is this going to be a strategy that is going to cause somebody who's sitting in Pennsylvania or in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to say, you know what? This is, this is right. I'm, I'm not going to vote for, for Joe Biden like I was intention, intending to do. Scott in Appleton. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I, I don't think the, that's a very good strategy, what they're doing now. Um, I'm not a, a Trump person by no means. And although maybe for the rest of us that aren't going after him, that might be a good strategy because they'll bring people to their reality. Yeah. You know, well, back in 2016, back in 2016, I understand why people voted for him. They wanted a Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you've been around long enough too that you remember Ronald Reagan and how he vowed to change things and instead we got a Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. So well, I you know I mean I guess see it, <laughs> to, but you know to your point, Scott. I mean I think that the truth is twenty. All right, every election is different. It, it it just is. It's just sort of like every war is different. You know, and one of the big lessons of history is, is you have people, generals, who always are, are fighting the last war, not understanding that things change. 2020 with COVID-19 and Joe Biden is a candidate is a different election than 2016 was when Donald Trump was not a known entity and you had an extremely, at least in some circles, unpopular or uninspiring Hillary Clinton. It, it's just a different election strategy. And I will tell you, I understand some people might like might like to hear this, but when when I hear that the, the campaign switching to oh, it, it the Biden family is a criminal enterprise and lock them up and stuff like that, that strikes me as desperation i think the majority of people want to hear what what are you going to what is the future we understand the the mess we're in right now with the economy how are we going to get people back to work what are we going to do to get past the, this this covid 19 what is what is the plan is it more contact tracing is it more testing is it more shutdowns i hope it's not the latter but all, all of those different things that's what i think people want to hear not just that oh he's a crook no she's a crook no you know i'm not a crook 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We continue one more segment. Is this a winning strategy? You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text. Jeff, the locker-up strategy against Hillary worked great. Why do you think that a fa- it is a failing message against a corrupt career politician like Joe Biden? Because... It is a different election. Elections are about the future. And and this screams to me, it's like echoes of 2016, and it screams desperation. It's a a different environment that's there. I firmly believe that, first of all, I I think that there are a lot of people look at President Trump and look at President Trump's family, and and they have questions about whether he really drained the swamp. I don't even want to go into that. But so, I mean, a number of my texts are saying, you know, uh, talking about like a corrupt family is, is sort of like the pot calling the kettle black. I don't want to go into that. I think this election given what is going on in this country, is about who can provide the best leadership for the next four years. It's about 
who can get us on the road to economic recovery, who can get jobs back, who can get the unemployment rate, you know, down? And, and how do we get out of the mess that is that's caused by this this pandemic? It's about the future. So, I mean, those are the, the big issues, at least in my opinion, that are out there. And I understand that there's people who love President Trump who are sitting there thinking, oh, this is great. I mean, and it's, it's perhaps red meat for a, a certain segment of the voting population. But... Again, I I don't see that as a winning strategy. I think the vast number of Americans, Wisconsinites, uh, were were like, okay, give me the plan for the future. Explain to me how things are going to be better for individual lives, not, gee, was was Hunter Biden a a sleaze? Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I think... I think most people would understand that he got he traded on his family name to get a job that he was otherwise completely unqualified for and made a ton of money out of it. Okay, we'll we'll accept that as a given. All right. What does that do, though? I want to know, you know, when I can start going back to baseball games. I want to know when restaurants can open up. I want to know when people can start going out with having out having to worry about getting sick. I want I want people to know who've lost their jobs or are in fear of losing their jobs. I, I want them to have some hope as to when those jobs are coming back. Those are the things that I think people care about. Lucy on the West Side. Lucy, you're on WTMJ. Hi. I I want to tell a short story, but first I'm going to start with a quote. Remember Samuel Johnson? You remember him from high school and college. Patriotism is the last refuge of a scandal, of a scoundrel. Scoundrel, yeah. He meant meant false patriotism. It's a famous quote. Um, Trump's attacks, the, the attacks on Biden as a crook, have a whiff of desperation to them to me. The people who are buying it gleefully and cheering we're going to vote for Trump anyway. I have a second cousin in Maine, so he won't hear this, that I try to stay on good terms with. He's a rock-ribbed Republican. He was never, ever, ever going to vote for Joe Biden. Right. He might have voted for one of the independents. But he proudly told me that the Washington Post story was now, not Washington Post, I'm sorry, New York Post, now had convinced him that Biden was a crook and he couldn't vote for him, so he marked his absentee ballot and took it in for Trump. Well, he was going to vote for Trump anyway, and I have a friend in Arizona who's going to say the same thing. I can't vote for Biden. He's a crook. But he was going to vote for Trump anyway because the only thing that these two guys really care about at the end of the day is their tax cuts. Mm -hmm. Um, That's mean, but that's what they really, really, really care about. Right. And another thing, and then I'll get off the phone, Um, the latest attack today is just an all-out nasty screed against Anthony Fauci that was picked up in an open line that Trump knew there was a reporter on. It wasn't that somebody hacked a private phone call, and that to me also says whiff of desperation. It will gen up the people who were going to vote for Trump anyway. I think the rest of us are just getting appalled at where is the leadership in our country. Yeah, and, and I guess, I, and thanks to call this, I mean, I, I think, yeah, again, I, I try to figure out voting issues. And I, look, and I understand the attack, attack, attack strategy, which is what President Trump has pretty much used his, his entire career, not just his entire political career, but his entire career. It, it worked in 2016. But 2016, at least in my opinion, was a different year 
than 2020, and the issues were completely different, and the candidates were completely different. And for whatever reason, I think Hillary Clinton was a lot more unpopular than than Joe Biden was. Plus, here's the other reality. Donald Trump, rightly or wrongly, has been a polarizing force. There's just no question about it. He's been a polarizing force over the course of the last four years. And unlike a Ronald Reagan, say, who I think became beloved over the first four years that he was in office, leading to, you know, just a landslide reelection in 1984, Trump has had trouble expanding his base. If anything, he's kind of contracted that. Now, you might argue that that's unfair. It's been a relentless attack. So the media, okay, I'm not even going to argue any of that. I'm just saying it's two weeks and one day before election day. And when I hear that the big strategy is, okay, they're, they're crooks, lock them all up. To me, that that sounds like flop sweat. Uh, let's talk to Pat in Manitowoc. Pat, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. It, it, you know, what he's doing now and in the last week or so, it's kind of like taking a shotgun blast and throwing it out there and see where the pellets go. He is trying everything to, to you know, he, as a 65-year-old, I'm concerned about my uh, health insurance. I'm, I'm controlled about, uh, concerned about Medicare. Yeah. I'm, I'm concerned about the people getting hurt, uh, coronavirus. There are all these different aspects, and he's attacking everything. Tell me what you're going to do. Give me your what you're going to do for health care. Tell me what you're going to do. How are you going to get coronavirus under control? Tell me what your plans are. You hear none of that stuff. The attack, the attack, the attack isn't helping him. You go to Biden, and he's giving you definitive things that he is going to try to do. Well, and it's, it's fair really to push Biden. Like it's, well, it's interesting, Pat, because I, I think it's also fair to push Biden on, okay, explain to me what you're talking when you're talking about coronavirus. What are you going to do now that's really any different than what we're doing? But but to your point, yeah, you, you it, it's, it's a positive campaign versus a negative campaign. And normally the people... Political scientists will tell you that the people who are running the positive campaigns two weeks before the election, they're they're the ones who perceive that they are ahead. And I I think, I I mean, that's certainly the sense I get from everything I see, not just talking about the polls, where the campaigns are spending money and all those things. Who has how much money to spend? And I just don't see this as turning things around. You're going to lock in your supporters. I get that. But they're going to vote for you anyways, like Lucy was saying. That, I agree. Uh, in anything, I don't think he's gaining anything. I just think he should try to be positive once. Maybe he'll work. Right. Well, thanks. For, well, again, it's just, and and I think part of it's not not his nature, and that's not it. That's not intended as a, as a criticism. I mean, I think President Trump is a street fighter. That's that's what he is. His if you look back over his career as a New York developer, it was always let, let's we're, we're charging ahead and we're we're not looking back and we're not apologizing even if we're wrong and we're we're just we're just going ahead and and that's a strategy that worked well for him in the business world and it certainly worked well for him in beating Hillary Clinton in 2016. All I'm saying is it's not 2016 anymore. Marcus on the north side. Marcus, you're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, Jeff. Great show as, as usual. Uh, uh, my two quick points is this. First of all, it, you know, I, I understand it's not in this man's nature to be apologetic. But if he wants to pull this rabbit out of the hat and win this thing on November 3rd, if I were him, I would just tell the American people, first of all, I apologize for, for the last debate. 
okay, as far as that I didn't get to the substance issues that I wanted to get to. Then I would look just like Joe Biden did, Uncle Joe, look in the camera and say, listen, here's the plan. Here's the deal. Here's what I got for it. I'm going to do da-da-da, da-da-da. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And this is the exact format I'm going to go with, Joe. Uh, you know, we have some dif- dif- uh, disagreements on certain things, how I'm going to operate, but this is the plan that I have for the American people. If he looks in the camera that way versus because Hunter Biden at this point, I, on the street here, we could care less. I could care less about Hunter Biden. His family made money off of what he's doing, but, but that's the main point. People don't care about that mess. Okay, right. Pe- I right. want to know right. what People, is the specific right. plan. Yeah. Right, you you want to know, gee, where, you know, wh- what are we going to do so we we don't have to worry right. about businesses shutting down because people are sick with COVID nineteen? How are the people who've lost their jobs over the course of the last six months? How are they going to get those jobs back? That's what people care about right now. We can accept that Hunter Biden is a crook. I'll accept sure. that premise, but I don't think sure. that moves the needle it. for voters. Yeah, exactly. And I, that's correct. Yeah, I no, that, that, no, I'm that, with that, you. That, that, that doesn't move it, but 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 if he do, if he doesn't make his point, if he goes back to the same bullying tactics uh, uh, at the debate, he's going to lose this uh, contest. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Here's the, Jeff, the fact that all your callers are now Democrats should tell you that you are no longer the fair and balanced guy you once were. Just more propaganda for the left. Just heavy sigh. I mean, th- th- this is what we have come to in 2020, that you can't have a discussion about, like, tactics and use. And I'm just telling you something. As somebody who has been around politics for decades, I was thinking today, this is the seventh presidential race that I have talked about on the radio, I mean, in, in this market. And I will tell you, you you observe certain things, and you can tell from the quote-unquote body language surrounding campaigns who thinks they're ahead and who thinks they're behind? And if you want to see President Trump win, all I'm telling you is I think this strategy of let's attack and the Bidens are a crime family and lock them up. I, I just don't believe that that is a winning strategy, period. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I'm going to be so glad when this election is over. Three texts. Jeff, you don't know anything. You 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 didn't think Trump was going to win in 2016. That's correct. And two weeks and one day from now or two days from now, that this this may turn out to be the greatest strategy in the world. That oh okay, that Donald Trump had maybe he was never behind all those polls and all the campaign spending and all the different places where he was going to to try to shore up support in states that should have been reliably Republican. Maybe that's all going to play out, and, and maybe maybe you're not going to see the Republican lose the U.S. Senate. I sure hope not. Believe me, that I think that would be disastrous. But all I will tell you, by every indicator, what you are looking at is you are looking at a campaign that is kind of flailing, trying to figure out how to turn things around. And my point is, if the best you have in 2020 is Hunter Biden is a crook, vote for me, Oh, okay. I, I just I just don't see that as a winning strategy. I don't think Hunter Biden on this is on the radar screen of most of the voters. I, I just I just don't. We want to hear stuff that's moving forward. And like I say repeatedly, the worst thing candidates can do 
Just like the worst thing generals can do is fight the last war, the worst thing candidates can do is is fight the last election. And this, like, lock him up, he's a crook, all that sort of stuff, to me, maybe that appeals to people who are already decided that they're going to run through a brick wall to vote for President Trump. And that's great. But I don't think there's enough of those people out there to win the election. You need to figure out how you're going to get that mainstream America with you. And if you think that the same tactics that you used to beat Hillary Clinton in 2016, that you think that that's going to work, I'm sorry, I just, I flat out do not agree. Here's one other indicator, and again, I know that there's people who don't want to hear this, but I sent out a tweet about this over the weekend. It has to do with campaign spending. Now, TV advertising isn't isn't the be-all, end-all. And as I always say, it's not who has the most money who can run the most ads, but you have to have enough money to run ads to get your message out. And in state after state after state, the Republicans are being grossly outspent by the Democrats. And that that is an indicator of how the people that write checks and make donations, that is an indicator of what they think about the race. And that the numbers in Wisconsin are are just absolutely stunning. And I understand right now there's people sticking their fingers in the ear saying we don't want to hear this. But but here's the deal. Since September 28th, the Democratic advantage in the number of ads run ranges from two to one in Wausau and La Crosse, four to one in Milwaukee and Green Bay. And of course, if President Trump is going to win Wisconsin, you need a huge Republican turnout in um, Ozaki County, Waukesha County, Dodge County, and the surrounding area, and you need a huge Republican turnout in the Fox Valley. That that's that's part of the key because you're going to get crushed in Madison, and you're going to get crushed in in the city of, of Milwaukee. So, am I surprised that the Democrats and their allies are outspending Trump sixteen to one in Madison? No, I'm not. I, I'm not. I get that, but four to one in Milwaukee, four to one in Green Bay. Yeah, um, two to one in Wausau and La Crosse. And that, that has to tell you something. And, and it tells, at least it tells me that there, there's issues with fundraising. And that's a question of, you know, some people say, all right, are we going to put money in and find a winning candidate? And again, I understand some people say, okay, TV advertising doesn't matter. We're sick of the ads. We're tuned out to them. And there is an element of that. I acknowledge that after a certain point in time, the campaign ads become white noise and you know, somebody says, oh, gosh, I, I saw this Biden ad. Now I'm going to vote for Biden. Or I saw a Trump ad. Now I'm going to vote for Trump. I'm not sure two weeks in front of the election if any of that stuff really moves the needle, especially given the fact that people have been voting for a while and early um, in-person voting starts tomorrow. But it's another indicator, I think, of who's ahead and who's behind. And yes, I freely acknowledge that I did not believe President Trump was going to be elected in 2016, but 2020, different. Same strategy seems to me to be a bad idea. When we come back, Tony Evers gets his order limiting capacity in bars and restaurants, sort of. I will explain and we will discuss. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, so Melissa, I'm, I'm getting all these texts from people who don't like my analysis that I, I think it's a losing strategy to attack Hunter Biden. You know, and 
that, you know, of course, you know, we should have, you know, we, we can just ignore all the polls and ignore campaign spending and ignore where candidates travel and all these indicators that we've had as to, you know, where an election stands two weeks beforehand. And I do have some encouraging information from that because a number of people are pointing out correctly that I, I did not think President Trump was going to be elected in 2016. So for people who don't agree with my analysis, I do have some, some maybe encouraging things because Last night, I got outsmarted by a five-and-a-half-year-old Pomeranian. Oh, really? Oh, hmm. the, uh, okay, so uh, I'd say it was about, like, Thursday or so. I've, you know, I've, Sasha, the, or, or yeah, Pomeranian. Yeah, yeah, And she was walking a little bit different. She was kind of like, she kind of like had her, she was, her head was a little bit lower and her back was arched Aww. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she but just she, didn't look right. She didn't look right. She, I mean, she was eating, she was doing all the stuff, but she just looked a little bit uncomfortable. And so Saturday morning, I, I called the vet and they say, well, we can't get her until Monday, but tell us the symptoms and stuff. And I walked through and it says, and they said, it sounds like she just strained her neck or something Aww, like that, yeah. you know, a little thing. And they have, I didn't realize this, but they have doggy ibuprofen. Oh. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> it, 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 that's essentially what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like it's an anti-inflammatory. Sure. So I run down to the um, to the vet, and you know what they had done is they gave me a little prescription, and because she's so little, they take like one tablet and they break it up into four, and oh, so okay. the dosage is one in the morning, one in the evening, and it's 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 like it's like taking all right. So so to get her to take this. You know, what you have to do is I kind of like wrap it around a little bit of cheese. You yeah, know? that's you're a good idea. Take or a little food. piece of meat right, or something. Right, exactly. Just kind of put that in there and eat it. So, okay, so she takes one Saturday and immediately it starts to be better. Oh, so, that's so great. So you're supposed to give her twice a day. So Saturday night, I give her another one. All right, everything going fine. Sunday morning, I give her one. That That's fine. <laughs> she's, she's starting to be perky. And so... And then last night, I give her one about 9 o'clock at night. And then so this morning, I, I'm sitting down on on the floor right by where her dog dish is and stuff. Because like, you're supposed to get her to eat with that. And I look on the floor, and the, the little piece of medicine, that like the quarter tablet, it's on the, from last night. It's on the floor. Oh, no, she ate the cheese. She ate the cheese. While I'm sitting there watching it, the <laughs> oh, damn dog no. eats the cheese oh. and somehow just kind of like spits out the little piece of oh, medicine. Oh, that, that didn't taste good. Well, but you know, there's supposed to be beef flavored or whatever. But clearly, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm thinking, you know, you little stinker. Yeah, you know, stinker, you, you, you for fooled sure. me. So then I wrap the cheese in, and this time I kind of yeah. like stick it in her mouth and yeah. I watch her eat it. So I thought maybe she was turning her head a certain way because she wanted cuddles or something well no no but but I, so i mean i think she's getting a matter of fact i so i canceled the vet appointment oh, today great. because i mean she's she's clearly getting better but i'm sitting here thinking all right this this it's working this, yeah but this five and a half year old pomeranian has outsmarted <laughs> me so for for everybody out there who's listening to the last hour of the program he doesn't know what he's talking about you know i don't care how long he's been on the radio i don't care how many elections he's analyzed you know my guy's ahead or my guy's you know not up behind or whatever mm-hmm. uh, you know you, you could be very well right because i freely confess got outsmarted last night when it came to trying to give a, a little tiny kernel of of doggy ibuprofen yeah. don't to the dog. underestimate sasha no she, yeah. they're just so darn That's clever I'm, I'm thinking it's on the floor i i swear i watched her eat the thing yeah. but no no i think she must have hmm, so spit i know it off she, on the side i know or... she ate the part this, i know she ate the part this morning so i'm just saying that's cute not perfect Yes, I did not see Trump beating Hillary Clinton in 2016. And, and yes, the dog faked me out last night when it came to taking her medication. <laughs> but I learn from those things. I learn and adapt. All right. Let's just do one segment on this. Um, okay, in the last hour, I just was mentioning, I do not see, a, I don't see it as a winning strategy 
two weeks before an election to go on the attack. Uh, Hunter Biden's a crook. Joe Biden's a crook. I, I don't I don't see that as being the kind of game changer that I at least perceive the president is needing. All right. If you were listening to Melissa's newscast and one of our callers, Lucy, alluded to this earlier in the day, this is the story of of the day. Um, now, by way of back, uh, President Trump has decided to publicly go after Anthony Fauci. Um, last night, 60 Minutes, Anthony Fauci, uh, Anthony Fauci, you know, um, went on 60 Minutes and, and said that he he wasn't surprised that President Trump had gotten sick because, you know, he'd, he'd looked at, at some of the ways they were handling coronavirus protocols in the White House, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so what happened today is there is a, he's on a conference call with campaign advisors, and he knows that there's one or more members of the news media who are listening in. So this isn't a, a hacked call. This isn't something that's being surreptitiously taped. This is, it's a call that, that you know it's going to be made public. Um, here's apparently what, what he says on this, and you heard a clip of this just a couple minutes ago. <clears throat> People are tired of hearing Fauci and all these idiots. Now, the way that's getting played out is that he called Fauci an idiot. I'm not sure. People are tired of hearing Fauci and all these idiots. He said that if he'd listened to Fauci, the U.S. would have had 500,000 deaths or more for coronavirus. He doesn't care that his comments are being made public. If there's a reporter on, you can have it just the way I said it. I couldn't care less. He apparently openly speculated about firing Fauci, but was concerned about the political fallout, noting there's always a bomb when Fauci appears on television, but there's a bigger bomb if you fire him. All right. Our our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Again, just like I said about the, the attacks on Biden, we are two weeks in front of of an election. I do not believe suggesting that I know people are tired of hearing Fauci and all these idiots. I don't believe that that is necessarily a I don't believe necessarily I'm not putting the modifier in. I don't believe that that's a, a strategy that helps you win votes. Now, there are a certain segment of, of voters who probably are tired of hearing about Fauci. There are, there are a certain segment of voters who want, who, who want this all past ourselves, who, who, who just, you know, let's just go back and let's pretend that COVID-19 isn't there. I, I acknowledge that. But I don't know, attacking Anthony Fauci, who I think is extremely trusted and very popular with large, which isn't to say he's been perfect, but he's very, very popular with large chunks of the American people. I, I don't think that people are tired of hearing Fauci and all these idiots, quote unquote. I don't think that's a winning strategy. Uh, again, might even be a worse strategy than going after Joe Biden and saying, okay, the Bidens are a criminal enterprise. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Does attacking Anthony Fauci at this point in the election, does that bring hearts and minds over and motivate people to go out and vote for President Trump? I'm sorry, I don't see it. 
and I'm sure he's frustrated. Look, I, I have no doubt that President Trump is frustrated, as I've been saying all along. Before COVID-19, if you would have asked me December of last year, does Donald Trump cruise to re-election, my answer is yes. Even in the early stages, January and February, my answer would have been yes. COVID-19 has changed the whole dynamic. I believe this election is going to be in large part about who the American public perceives can better help us get out of it. And rightly or wrongly, large chunks of the American people trust Anthony Fauci more than they trust President Trump. And attacking him seems to me to be just, I, I don't know, seems to me to be a failing strategy. But again, I'm the guy that got outsmarted by the five and a half year old Pomeranian. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. People are tired of hearing Fauci and all these idiots. What do you think about that? We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. If, see, if nothing else, this these comments are now the message of the day. I've got CNN on one of the many computer screens I'm looking at. And the headline is... Um, Week, two weeks before the election, COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations skyrocket. And then the subtext is now going to be President Trump says people are tired of talking about COVID. COVID doesn't, people don't want to hear from Fauci and the other idiots. Okay, that's, that's now what the story is, is going to be. And to me, again, Whatever the message was going to be, whatever the, gee, this is how we're going to get out of this. This is how we're going to get people working. Now, for another day or two, the news cycle is going to be, oh, President Trump says, you know, Fauci an idiot or refers to Fauci and the other idiots. 855-616-1620. It's just bizarre to me. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Um, well, uh, all someone needs to do is talk to a qualified healthcare professional to know who the real idiot is. And it's very frustrating uh, when these people act irresponsibly. But what really gets my blood going is when they start belittling the people who do want to do the right thing. And stories like this are going to make sure I have a really good workout later. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, well, I mean, I, I again, it's just, I, I think, you know, some people are saying, well, you know, Fauci isn't as popular as you think he is. Well, I mean, I, I think Fauci is extremely trusted, which isn't to say that he's been right. And yes, is he a bit of an attention hog? And yes, is he a bit of a camera hog? Yeah, he is. But at the same time, I, I, I don't know that, that attacking him is a successful strategy among the public at large. Well, I just think that the qualified healthcare people would be a lot quicker to agree with him than to agree with the nonsense that Trump is popping off. Thanks for the call. Um, Gianni in Montello. Gianni, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, interesting topic. Yes. Uh, Fauci is an academic and Trump is not. And, you know, I, I listen to a lot of right-wing wacko radio, and that doesn't include WTMJ. You guys are very unbiased, and uh, I hope you're on for the next 25 well, years. Thank you. Well, I don't necessarily hey, consider listen, myself listen. to be unbiased, but I don't consider myself to be a wacko. <laughs> I appreciate Absolutely that. Absolutely not, That's... Jeff. Absolutely not. But but it's red meat for his base. And right. he, like I say, um, Trump is the antithesis of, of Fauci, and um, you know he's, he's highly educated. Uh, he's a scientist, 
And I think that uh, that burns uh, Trump. He he doesn't like it, and uh, he doesn't. He, he's Trump's going to do it his own way. So when he, when he goes after Fauci the way he did, I believe it was this morning, uh, last mm-hmm. night. Um, yeah, he's uh, it's red meat for his base, and they love it, Jeff. Yeah. They love it. Oh no, no you're, well, you're right, John. Garner him any more votes. Right. It's not going to to to. You know, convince people you know to to, to vote for Trump, but but his base, uh, you know, he has to play to it, and his base is, I think, larger than. Um, well, you know, I think sometimes we we want to admit. Well, thank, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, yes, it it clearly plays to the base, but elections aren't won by the base. Yet, yes, you need you need a motivated base to go out and to to you know get out the vote and things like that. But you that that's not enough. I mean, you know, any politician's base is going to be, you know, 30, 35, maybe 40 percent. But, you know, you need 50 percent plus one. Uh, Jeff, isn't Fauci the guy who said face masks don't matter in the beginning? Hmm, yeah, he did. And look, Fauci hasn't been right. I mean, I had the Surgeon General on a couple months ago. I said, OK, what, what did you guys do wrong? And they, they said the first thing they said, look, we you know, we we should have been, you know, encouraging the use of face masks from the beginning he said we we got it wrong and then he went into the different things so i mean i and i'm not suggesting fauci is perfect i'm just suggesting that at this point in time in the election process attacking anthony fauci just seems to me to be a bizarre strategy okay here's some text jeff i agree with trump but i still think it's a bad strategy jeff bad move calling a scientist who specializes in infectious diseases an idiot um uh, doesn't the World Health Organization spend 12 to 15 years going to school studying a specialty? Um, yes. Let's see. Uh, da, da, da. Jeff, we watched Dr. Fauci's entire interview last evening. He's a brilliant man, and I completely trust what he says. I wish I could vote for him. I'm not tired of at all of him, Mr. President. Stop bashing people. Start to lead. Um Jeff, for the next two weeks, President Trump is going to throw anything and everything at the wall and hope something sticks, whether it's Hunter Biden, Anthony Fauci, uh, Ben Sass, Susan Collins. I think it's desperation. Um, Jeff, I don't trust Fauci. When doctors and nurses that I know talk about how he is wrong, I listen. He maybe started with a plan, but he has now allowed the virus to become political and about money rather than trusting people who treat it daily and see there are many options to keep people safe and who find themselves COVID positive. And again, I... I, I'm not sitting here and arguing that anti-Fauci has been completely right or that, you know, people need to blindly trust him. I'm just saying I, I don't think that the strategy of, of attacking him is a winning strategy. And clearly it's something that the president intended to do. He knew that there were reporters on this conference call. He wanted he chose his words. You know, he, he wanted the the news thing to say that you know the president calls Fauci an idiot and I don't know that he technically did that but again close enough for government work um, let's see Jeff Dr Fauci is brilliant I think it is President Trump that is the idiot Jeff Trump is throwing everything at the wall and it seems that none of it is sticking. Um, Jeff, if the president wins, it's going to miraculously be despite himself because it seems he takes advantage of every opportunity to act in ways that give any remaining undecided voters a reason not to vote for him. Jeff, I think it's another episode of political suicide par for the course at this time. Again, I'm getting all these mess emails saying, oh, you're just a Trump basher. I'm, I'm trying to analyze the race right now and where I see it and where I think the majority of of people are and again trying to attack anthony 
Fauci doesn't seem to me to be a winning strategy, period. But it is the strategy that they are following. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's a win for Governor Evers, sort of. I will explain and we will discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Thirty-nine degrees outside. Man, what happened to summer? My wife said to me, "I think we're probably done with golf around here." And I said, "Well, you never know. It might be that nice Saturday afternoon or something that you can sneak out." But uh, yeah, I mean, who who knows? But it was a wonderful summer, absolutely wonderful summer. Um, at least as far as being able to get outside. Now, as far as having places to go and dealing with COVID nineteen and all those issues, at twenty twenty can't end soon enough. Although. You wonder what 2021 is going to look like. I was mentioning this during our, our handoff. Uh, Scott Warris was filling in for Steve Scafidi these days. And if you don't know, it's um, Scott is he's the voice of the UWM men's basketball team. He, he does, you know, he does their games and stuff. And uh, the college basketball season getting ready to kick off in, in late November. But uh, I was looking at a story in the newspaper the other day. The Wisconsin Center District budget plans for no events at UW-Milwaukee's Panther Arena until the fall of 2021. No events. No sporting events. So no Admirals games. No UWM men's basketball games. No concerts. No nothing at, at all. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to play basketball. There's a little, you know, they've got the arena, the Klotsky Center, Klotsky Center on, on campus. But the, the idea that you're, you're going to be able to go to basketball games, it, it just doesn't look like it's, it's going to happen. And I, I, I haven't heard any more. I know the Marquette basketball, and I'm a season ticket holder to the Marquette basketball games through my, one of my good friends. But I, I just, if, if the Wisconsin Center District, if the arena, isn't planning on having any events. I, I can't imagine that Pfizer Forum is going to be planning on, on having too many events, whether they're concerts or ball games or whatever. It's just that this COVID mess is going to continue to be a mess that keeps going and going and going. All right, which brings me to the developments of, of today. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Governor Evers, and the, the strategy Governor Evers has to deal with COVID-19 is to shut stuff down. That that's that's his strategy. And he ordered that bars, restaurants and other businesses not be completely shut down like he did before, but he ordered that they be only allowed to operate at 25% capacity. Now, for for bars and restaurants, an order of 25% capacity is essentially like shutting them down because they're I, you know, maybe there's a unicorn somewhere, some bar owner or some restaurant owner who can, with carry-out business and 25% occupancy, occupancy can, can make a living, but, but most places can't. It, it, it's like a, a forced closure order, um, but that's what he's done. He issued that particular order, and there's all this litigation. Last week, a judge in Sawyer County issued an injunction stopping it from imp- being implemented. All right, today, a judge in Barron County overturned that injunction and said, while this case is proceeding, while the Tavern League's lawsuit is going on, um, I'm going to allow the order to go into effect. One of the interesting things that the judge said 
in issuing his ruling um, was part of the reason the judge said, well, um, I, I find that you, the business owners, the tavern leg operators, you, you failed to show that you've complied with the order and therefore have been harmed by the limited capacity. In other words, the judge said, you're not doing this anyways. Why should I put an, in, why should I put an injunction on something that you're not following? Now, I thought that was extremely interesting because, as I mentioned a week or two ago, two weekends ago when this thing went into effect, I, I was driving around. And I, I, I wasn't going into all these different places to do a head count, so my, my information is anecdotal. But I didn't get the idea that too many businesses were complying with the governor's order because the governor can put all the orders in place he wants, but he is depending on local sheriff's departments and local police departments to enforce the order. On top of that, the city of Milwaukee has already told him to pound sand, figuratively speaking. City of Milwaukee recognizing that trying to close, they've got hundreds of restaurants that they set up these very extensive protocols for, and that restaurants in Milwaukee, if you've if you've dotted all your I's and you've crossed all your T's, restaurants in Milwaukee are allowed to open at 100%. You know, they've had to submit detailed health plans. And the mayor, I think, under some pressure from a lot of the big restaurant owners and bar owners and stuff in the area who've spent a ton of money getting their facilities COVID ready, as it were, I think they went to the mayor, and the mayor has taken the position that I'm not enforcing this order. What we're doing is better. It's more restrictive than the governor's just limit capacity order, so we're not going to enforce it. So you've got, you know, the city of Milwaukee's already said we're not enforcing it. As a practical matter, I think you have municipalities all across this state who've just decided that they're not going to enforce the order. Local police department, you need the local police departments or you need essentially the county sheriff's departments to go restaurant by restaurant, store by store, bar by bar, and start counting the number of people inside and saying, okay, your capacity that you're allowed, you're allowed 60 people, and we note that you have 16 in here now, boom, we're going to give you a citation. But that, that's a pretty daunting task when you think of all the other stuff that the county sheriff's department has to offer, has to do, or you think of all the um, different responsibilities that a police department has to do. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question to you. All right, now that the order has been, at least for the moment, reinstated, the governor says, all right, you're, you're limited to this capacity. That's only one part of the equation. That order is only as good as the willingness that local law enforcement has to enforce it. So here is my question. Given the fact that this order is in place, should police departments, should county sheriff's departments, should they be committing resources, should they be going bar by bar, fish fry by fish fry on Friday night and trying to determine whether or not a particular bar or restaurant or store is in compliance with this. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I live in this place called the real world, and I guess I just, I don't see it happening, which was always one of my beefs with, you know, this order from the governor that I believed was essentially unenforceable from the beginning. But let's ask this. Do you want to see police and county sheriffs going bar by bar, store by store, restaurant by restaurant, and effectively doing headcounts to determine whether or not this order is being enforced, 
or is this more like a suggestion? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, one of the reasons the judge decided like he did is he had concluded that nobody was paying attention to this anyway, so they're not being hurt by it. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I I understand that the governor thinks he is doing a good thing with this. Reasonable people can disagree as to whether this is the best way to handle COVID-19 or not. But the bottom line is, I I continue to believe this is just unenforceable. On a given Friday night in, I don't know, some city, is this how police are going to spend their time? My answer is, in the real world, it's just not going to happen. What do you think? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, if we had the resources to enforce the capacity limits, I'd be all for it. But I recognize the impracticality of that. But I do wish there'd be more willful compliance and consistency. I'm angered by passing overflowing bars while being forced to wait out in the parking lot to go into my local grocery store. Um, Jeff, they should take all these unemployed people and give them jobs as counters. And if businesses are not following the orders, take their license away. Now, see, what I would say is... And this is how I, I think where I think the governor is making a huge mistake. Rather than shut down, shut down, shut down, I think the key to getting out of this is hire more contract tracers, do more testing, all that sort of stuff. That's where I think you know ultimately, ultimately that's how you get out of this. Let's identify the people that are sick. Let's do the contact tracing to notify people who might have had contact with them, and then let's do everything we can to encourage them to stay home, as opposed to this general. Thing Thing that we're, we're just going to close everything down, which isn't, it's not practical. Jeff, law enforcement has bigger things to deal with than if a restaurant wants to follow a rule of capacity. Um, what I find funny is people ask for defunding the police, but keep asking for more enforcement of rules or laws. Larry in Lake Geneva. Larry, good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? Real well, thanks. What do you think? Yeah, my, my opinion, I think it's ridiculous, for one thing. Uh, most of the places, I go out to eat a lot. I'm a bachelor I go out probably average six nights a week mm-hmm. and to go eat and all different places. And most places I go to, um, all around Delavan, Lake Geneva, Elkhorn, they all have, they're, they're going by the laws. They have uh, tables that have reserved signs right. where you can't sit there, keeping people apart. They're all doing their job, what they're supposed to be doing. And now this guy's got a, Put more pressure on them, right? You know? And, and, they're, and, and they're, right, there's I mean, thanks to caller, and, and they're spreading things out. And and look, no, no restaurant wants to have an outbreak. No bar wants to have an outbreak at their place that forces them to close down. And I agree. Most of the places I go to, they, they've separated the tables. I, I'm still. You know, eating outside on patios. Now that's going to come to an end, I think, pretty soon. But but most places, I, I don't see. I don't see, at least in the places I go to, I don't see these places that are that are packed to the hilt. But but that's a difference. It's one thing to say, okay, you've got sixty percent in. It's another thing to say you're limited to twenty five percent, which is essentially the, the kiss of death. Which is why people aren't following it. And the reality is, it, it's it is an unenforceable sort of order. And so that's why it's disappointing to me that this is what the governor falls back on. Here's a text, Jeff. Evers knew it couldn't be enforced when he drafted it. It's a political move and a cover your you-know-what. When the media attacks Wisconsin for the case growth, he'll be able to fall back on this order, which essentially did um, 
nothing. Uh, Jeff, Evers has said numerous times that he won't send police to ticket folks. He hopes they'll be smart enough to comply. Um, Jeff, holy mackerel, the cops and fire departments have more than enough to do. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. Boy, I'd love to be at the counter at the local bar. <laughs> um, if the police come in, they'd be really popular. Jeff, I believe that this 25% capacity law will not be enforced unless the establishment is on a hit list. Another point is I believe we are already in herd immunity with more asymptomatic people. Well, I'm going to talk about herd immunity probably tomorrow in, in great deal. Um, Jeff, as most city rules and ordinances, enforcement is compliance driven. Hopefully people know that this is a, not a police matter, but a health department matter. Um, the penalty for noncompliance is related to their license. Well, again, the point is you need somebody that's going to make that, that, that check. And just as a practical matter, I'm trying to perceive how I don't know, given the fact that, for example, the city of Milwaukee has already said they're not following it. They've already been very clear. We are not following this order. We are not going to enforce it. Okay, so then, all right, how, how does a health department in, I don't know, Dodge County, how does a health department in Winnebago County decide, okay, we're, we're going to go out and we're going to start, you know, writing citations. We're going to enforce it here when, you know, they're not enforcing it in Milwaukee. I'm just saying good luck with, with any of this stuff. And then, from just a political perspective, okay, you're the tavern owner and somebody comes in and your capacity is 50 and you've got 20 people in there spread out, but 20 people in and you get the citation and then, you know, they haven't gone a street, across the street to check, you know, your competitor or the people down the way. I, I just, th- this is an unworkable, at least in my opinion, sort of thing. And I agree. It, it's kind of a, it, it's, it smacks of politics. It's one of these things that, okay, let's talk about this in theory. I'm sorry, Tony. I think what you should be talking about is things that might make a difference in the real world. To me, what that is, is let's put the money in. Let's first of all make sure that the hospitals and the healthcare providers have all the masks and the PPE they need. Secondly, let's focus on testing, making sure that anybody who needs those tests can get them and can find the results quickly. And I would add asymptomatic or, or not, you know, symptomatic or not, get people tested. And when you get positive tests that you verify, yeah, let's concentrate on contact tracing and tell people, hey, you know, you were at some place and, you know, you might have been exposed and we expect you to quarantine. And I understand not everybody's going to do that. But to me, that is a much better, more effective way of spending money and resources trying to identify the people who are sick or might have exposed other people and they might be potentially sick than just saying, okay, we're going to try to shut stuff down, destroy businesses, destroy the economy, etc., with orders that are essentially unenforceable because the, the general public just isn't there. They're just not there on this. So why don't we move to something that might, in fact, work might make a difference because again i believe and i know there's some exceptions but i believe the majority of people if you get this call saying hey you know we think that you might have been exposed because of somewhere you were and we encourage you to go get a test and i think the most people would go get that test because they want to know if they're sick and then if it turns out that you're you know you're you're not positive, okay, I think people would be willing to quarantine for a day or two just to make sure that they don't get other people sick. Not everybody, but most people. Or if you do test positive, you know, then then you get this chain of things that are going on. But that's how that's how you stop 
the spread as opposed to just here, we're, we're going to try to close this down or close that down. And if the governor had done stuff like that, I believe the legislature would be behind him. I believe that the people of Wisconsin would be behind him. And I, I believe that a lot of this debate about the masks and stuff would go by the wayside. You know, let, let's turn it over to science instead of, again, using this sort of one size fits all approach. Close stuff down, close stuff down, close stuff down. No, let, let's try to be smarter about it because that's how you win the hearts and minds and people. And that's how you get compliance. Not everybody will comply. I concede that. I concede not everybody's going to comply, but I think a lot of people would, and and that's, to me, the start of it. But in any event, um, the order is back in place, but it's an order without any sort of enforcement mechanism to it at all and without enough resources behind it to, to ever guarantee that it's going to be enforced. So bottom line is a temporary victory for Governor Evers, Evers in the court of law. Ultimately, my guess is this probably does still get struck down. But regardless, it's not going to accomplish anything. There are better, smarter ways that we can do things. Why we're not just, just absolutely baffles me. All right, back with more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So far, the show today has been a Packers-free zone because I have nothing I have nothing to offer on, on the game yesterday. It was just one of those that you hope is kind of a, a one-off as opposed to, I, I guess in the worst-case scenario, it would be, oh, my gosh, this is what happened against San Francisco last year where they just got out physical and they can't match up. That would be the worst-case scenario. Best-case scenario, it was just a one-off. We all have bad days. The biggest concern I have is, does this set a blueprint for the way you play the Packers moving forward? And and that's I think that's the, the concern. I remember my, my Marquette men's basketball team did last two years. Um, they did really, really well for two-thirds of the season, and then teams figured them out. And they started to uh, attack the team in a particular way, and they couldn't respond. And I guess you hope that this isn't going to put on – this is not going to put on film the way you beat the Packers. What do you think, Rube? Yeah, I think it was more of an anomaly than anything else. I mean, I think the first four games that we played kind of speak for themselves yeah. more than the game that we saw last night. But something that I saw on Twitter uh, last hour that I thought was really interesting, this comes from Rob Domovsky. He covers the Packers for ESPN. Uh, he says the Packers are 0-2 coming off of a bye yeah. underneath Matthew Four. Uh, they lost those games by a combined score of 75-18, to 18, those yeah. games coming after the bye. But every other game, they're 17-2 and two and have outscored opponents by 143 points. In right. regular season games. So right. something about coming out of the bye. Well, no, and I think if you go back further, I think they're 0-4 after bye games. Now, that that's just 0-2 with the new coach. But I think you go back, I think they're 0-4 after the bye week, which is yeah. kind of interesting. So it kind of shows a weird inability to prepare for, for a team two weeks out. But obviously the stats sort of speak for themselves where we do perfectly fine in, in the regular season. Well, okay. I hope, hope you're right. Hope Again, I, I think, you know, at least at this point, you just treat it as an anomaly, treat it as a one-off, and, and hope to learn from it. All right. I have, a, I have an email. Jeff, 
I officiate high school sports as well as other levels of competition. This past Saturday, October 17th, I accepted games at St. Francis High School. At 8 a.m., I arrived with my crew to officiate a football contest. What happened next appalled me. When I approached a garbage dumpster, this would be at St. Francis High School, when I approached a garbage dumpster to deposit some waste, it was empty, except for approximately 20 to 25 Donald Trump front yard signs, as well as two or three American flags in the dumpster. Please find the photo. And then they send a photo. So clearly what had happened is somebody in the area of St. Francis High School, presumably, had gone on a a spree of stealing Trump yard signs. And if there happened to be American flags there along with the Trump yard signs, they scooped up and stole the American flags as well and threw them all in the dumpster. The email continues. Upon completion of the game, I stopped at the St. Francis Police Department. After informing an officer of this travesty, he explained that there would be a conversation with the principal at the high school on Monday, and they would see if there is any video evidence of who did this. You know, do you have... You know, do, do you have cameras that are focused on the dumpster? Don't know if that's the case or not. In any event, the email continues. My point is not to state that I am a Trump supporter or a Biden endorser. I am an American, and I have spent six years in the United States Marine Corps. And if people who call themselves American and don't understand the symbolism and history of the flag, they need to look at history and ask of their heritage from where they came. We stand for the flag and kneel for God. Okay, and then it goes on. But but you get the idea. Here's this college, this high school football official, six years in the Marine Corps, shows up at St. Francis High School to officiate a game, goes to throw some stuff in the dumpster. There's 20 or 25 Trump yard signs mixed in with American flags that have been ripped off, presumably, again, at the same time, people are stealing Trump signs. Oh, there's this Trump sign. I'm going to grab that, and I'm going to grab the flag that comes along with it. Now, look, I, I understand that there's probably... You know, people in other areas say that my Biden sign got stolen or or things like that. But this is the silly season. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think the stealing yard signs, I think the stealing, certainly stealing American flags that accompany the yard signs is childish, it's petty, it's criminal, and it's wrong. It's also just flat out stupid because you accomplish nothing. So what's the idea? Now, I'm, if you're a regular listeners program, you know, I'm not a huge fan of yard signs. I, I don't think yard signs influence people, but it, they reflect a way that somebody can show their support for a particular candidate. That's what they really exist for. And to that extent, that that's fine. But if you put a yard sign up in your yard, whether it's Trump or Biden or Alberta Darling or Jim Ott or, or whoever, I mean, this idea that people think that they can come along and steal it and take American flags along with it and ha, 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 we're going to throw it in the dumpster. To me, it is just, it is stupid. It accomplishes absolutely nothing. And I know it is absolutely infuriating. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it worse this year than it's been in past years? For those of you who've made the decision to put yard signs out, have you found that keeping them in place, keeping them from getting ripped off, is a bigger challenge now than ever before? And the idea that I'm going to have a Trump sign in this particular case with an American flag and you're going to steal everything and throw it in a dumpster, to me, 
There's a special spot in you-know-where for the person that does this. All right, yard sign wars, yard sign thefts. Is this year worse than other years? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, I just read an email from... Um, guy who officiates high school football games, goes to a um, Saturday morning, shows up at St. Francis High School for a game, um, goes to throw some stuff in a garbage dumpster, finds 20 to 25 Trump signs together with a bunch of American flags in the dumpster. Obviously, people going, pulling out the yard signs for Trump, throwing them in the dumpster, and then taking American flags if they happen to be with them. I, I find it to be just on, on so many levels wrong, including stupid and pointless, not to mention criminal. I think it might be worse this year than ever. Pete in Oconomowoc. Pete, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I do have uh, candidates' yard signs in my yard since the beginning for the 60-day-out period, and I've had them taken and stolen. I've also had my yard uh, vandalized on my driveway where they would take chalk and write F. Trump, And then I also have a thin blue line flag since my son is an officer in Waukesha County um, where they wrote on the sidewalk ACBA. So for your listeners who don't know, that's all cops are. And then the B word comes up. So I won't say that. I've had people drive by my house and say, burn the flag. So it's coming from all different directions. And I'm 63 uh, and it's just this is by far the worst in my 63 years on this earth. And, and you wonder, OK, for, for people who are doing that, you, you almost want to say, don't you have a life? I, I mean, seriously, what what do they how does it how does going out and writing stuff on your on your driveway in chalk or, you know, stealing your signs? How does that how does that bring anybody over to their cause? How does it make people support them? Does it give the people just some like weird sense of satisfaction or accomplishment that they've been able to do something like that? I don't get it. It, it would appear so, Jeff. Uh, you know, my signs will continue to be out there until November 3rd, and uh, they've been leaving them alone since I keep putting them back up. So maybe I won this little war. I don't know. No, well, thanks. For, well, see, and, you know, it's interesting. I was um, I was taking a walk the other day, and I saw, in this case, where I was walking, it, it was a... It was a, a a Trump sign, and it was kind of up a tree, so it was it was easier to be visible from the roadside. But I noticed, I mean, it would to, to take. I I think probably what happened is somebody had probably put this down lower, and it had gotten stolen, and so now it, to in order to steal this particular sign, you would have had to shimmy up the tree with like bolt cutters or wire cutters and cut the thing. Um, I don't think it was going to happen. Uh, Jeff, I live in Jefferson County. I had bullet holes in my Biden sign. Somebody must have drove, driven by and shot at it. Okay, that, that's the same category, except that's on steroids. I mean, you're driving by and shooting at a yard sign, for goodness sake. Jeff, um, I'm in Marquette, Michigan. It's worse in other years because as Americans, we've become so tribal with our politics to the point that if you even consider a point from the other side, you face ridicule and you're shamed either online or in person. My parents put trail cameras outside their house to protect their Trump flags and signs. It, it This is kind of what I was talking about about in the first hour of the program where 
it, it is interesting how tribal we've gotten because if you say anything critical about one side or the other, then automatically you're you're in the you're in the bag for that other side. How dare you question, you know, what President Trump's tactics are? You're nothing but a Democrat. Or how dare you criticize Joe Biden for something stupid that he ended up saying? You're nothing but just a stooge for Trump. It, it is we we have gotten so tribal, and it is. It's extremely, it's extremely frustrating. Jeff, I would like to put a sign in my yard, whether it's supporting a presidential nominee or a back the blue sign, the the pro-police message. However, I don't want people to target my house. And the next thing you know, it's getting vandalized because of what I may believe in or support. Um, Jeff, I have an interesting one. I have a Biden sign and a sign that says we back the badge somebody of uh, spray painted <laughs> that and somebody spray painted um you can't be that bold well yeah i mean again it, it's I just, there must be people out there that are desperately searching for meaning or have a hell of a lot of time on their hands that you're going to go out and say, okay, I'm going to take a can of spray paint and I'm going to go spray the back the badge thing or I'm going to go spray spray paint the Trump sign. What that, that makes you feel better in some sort of weird, pathetic way or in the case of the St. Francis story that you're going to go and steal a whole bunch of yard signs and take the American flags that come with it. I, I mean, what... What sort of satisfaction do you get? And how pathetic are you that this and how pathetic and meaningless is your life that this is how you get satisfaction by going out and, and ripping off American flags? And, and in this case, it's Trump signs. But I, I'd say the same thing, whether it's Alberta Darling signs or Jim Ott signs or you know Joe Biden signs or, or whatever. I mean, how pathetic is your life? that you know you get your kicks and you get some sort of satisfaction out of going around and and ripping off you know these signs or whatever joe and jackson joe you're on wtmj hey jeff how are you doing good what do you think i um i'm, I'm just thinking that the uh, the major part of of all this is is how divisive we become i mean uh we have it, it's kind of as though our uh, left and right, the liberals and, and uh, conservatives, are going so far to the opposite end of the spectrum that there is um, almost a vigilantism um, against one another that's going on that I don't think we've ever seen before. I I can honestly I, I can't speak as much about uh, people feeling that way towards Biden and Harris particularly, but I know that people who are against Trump uh, view him as as something equivalent to Hitler yeah. and um, that, that, that whole thing about, uh, you know, I'm, we're not, this isn't even an option. This isn't even something, you know, we're going to toy with kind of thing. I mean, I've heard, I've heard that. And, um, you know, I've also heard the back the badge um, sign, the argument being made that, that it's a dog whistle, you know, for, mm-hmm. for people basically saying it's okay for police to kill innocent black people. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, it's, it's a, uh, it's a rough time. It's a scary time. And, you know, I really wish we were something more like uh, uh, England and that, the U.K. in that sense, where we had more than just two parties, because quite honestly, neither part, neither of the parties represent my interests in totality. Yeah, thanks and, for calling. Um, Joe, I appreciate the sentiment. And I, I mean, look, and I guess you, you can you can read into, you know, anything what you want. And I guess yeah, I, I understand. And if people to your comments, let's let's take politics out. Let's talk about the back of the badge things. Yeah. And I I understand some people interpret it that way. OK. Well, people have different opinions, and, you know, that doesn't, I guess, it's just frustrating to me that the way people think that they can accomplish stuff and that you can, 
what do you accomplish? See, that that's that's, I guess, the point of this. I mean, what? Gee, I stole so so and so's Biden sign. I stole so and so's Trump sign. Gee, I spray painted that back to the back, the back of the badge sign. What what does that gain you? That that's that's it. I mean, other than just kind of waste your time and you know engage in, I guess, a little bit of senseless vandalism. But y- you think it's not going to be replaced? Here's a text, Jeff. I live in Milwaukee. I had a Trump sign stolen from my yard. First time ever had the it stolen really got me mad i immediately got a new trump yard sign put it in my yard i added spotlights i light it up at night as a deterrent to keep the person who stole it out of my yard yeah i mean that's i think that's generally the response um i think most people and again forget trump forget biden you know you know forget what candidate you're supporting somebody comes along and steals your yard sign i don't think most people are intimidated or scared i think most people end up getting hacked off off, and the result is, okay, you know, you, you took down this one. I'm going to put two more up there. And in the case of my emailer, I'm going to put spotlights on it. I'm going to call even more attention to it. I am not going to be pushed around by the punks that are out there stealing yard signs. And, yeah, I don't care if you're 15 years old, 35 years old, 55 years old, or 75 years old. If you're going out and about and spray painting and stealing yard signs of candidates you don't agree with, you are a punk, period. And I don't think people are going to be willing to be intimidated by the punks. So bottom line is, don't be a punk. Knock it off. This is Jeff Wagner.